Should you write a book? If you listen closely, it seems that many experts are saying that everyone has a book in them. I believe that if you could write a book, you should. Why not? The process of writing a book is in itself very rewarding. But you know what's even better than writing a book? It's selling the book. <laughs> I know, I'm talking as an entrepreneur. Today, I sit with Ladju Iren, book writing and publishing coach who helps first-time authors write and publish bestsellers. She's a best-selling author herself, and as at the time of this recording, she had sold over 7,000 copies of her books. Our conversation digs into why some books don't sell and how you can become a best-selling author. Let's dive in. Welcome to She Shows Up Podcast, giving you the tools and strategies you need to create, lead, sell, and stand out online. It's time to show up. And here's your host, Tolu Michaels. Hi. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> so, it's so nice to have you here today. It's so nice. <laughs> I've, been, I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Okay, I'm so excited to talk with you. But before we dive in, could you please introduce yourself the way you like to be introduced? I was just saying to myself that I should have read that your post on IG about how to introduce ourselves. I hope I do it right. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like a test for me to know if all the things you thought about personal branding will, will, will show up in these two shows of so thank you very much for having me. My name is Laju Iren. I'm a best-selling author, book writing coach, and filmmaker. I think that about covers it. Too. I'm so, also so many other things, but I'd like to introduce myself as that today. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun. All right, so um, <laughs> yeah, so tell me though, in the home that you grew up, what kind of work did adults do? What kind of conversations did you have about careers in your childhood? Hmm, that's a very interesting. I don't think anybody has ever asked me that question since so I became an adult. But growing up, my dad was a doctor. He still is actually. He's into public health. My mom was a teacher. And um, I wanted to be a doctor. I think like 50% of children wanted to be doctors when growing up. <laughs> so I wanted to be a doctor. And I wanted to be a pediatrician specifically because I liked kids. Um, as a preteen, when I was 10, 11, I used to be the one who would carry all the children in children's departments during service. So teenage, um, pre-teenage years until early teens, I really, really liked kids. I still do. But now I realize that I think taking care of my own kids is enough. <laughs> as a full-time job but yeah I did want to become a pediatrician but as I got into um senior secondary school I realized that I was really bad at the sciences like I wasn't really good at it I was I was in a school that allowed you to take um a reasonable amount of art courses art and um social science courses even when doing a science class right so I was in science class SS1 SS2 I, but I was taking um art courses like literature, I was taking CRS, 
and my results would come. And I remember one time I had an A in literature, an A in English, I think an A in economics, and I had a D in chemistry and a C in physics. And it was just really a crazy season of my life because I'm like, I want to be a doctor, but I also like writing. I knew I loved what literature was like my favorite subject. And all the judges, even the ones who didn't like anybody, always loved me because I, I loved to write and writing since I was a child. And then if we, if we came to reading literature in class, if we were reading drama, for example, I would read the different parts with different voices and intonations. So I would always, even if it was Hamlet or Shakespeare or Romeo and Juliet, so I really loved it. And so I struggled with changing to art class for a bit, but I think I went to a federal government school and the government college and there was a time where there was a strike. So last minute, when I came back from the strike, I was already in SS3, first term, but there was a strike. And I'm grateful for that strike because I came back and I said, during the holidays, during that strike, I was like, do you know what? I'm going to change to art class in SS3. Wow. That meant that I would only be able to take eight, eight um, subjects or courses in a MWASC and NECO. And I would have to take on a new subject entirely. So I got back to school. First of all, I wasn't even doing for that much. So you can imagine the kind of serious um, science I was. Because <laughs> I, I was a really good student. But the more I invested in the sciences, the more my result dropped. It was just really not fun. And so when I got back to school, I spoke to um, the guidance counselor. I wrote, of course, now, since writing was my thing, I wrote a very, very convincing letter. <laughs> and so I dropped physics and chemistry, glory be to God. I'm so grateful because up to now, if you don't know, I quit and I was in SS3. Like, <laughs> and I dropped physics and chemistry last minute and then I took on government. So I took on government in SS3 and I was supposed to write to ask. And so that meant that I had to, I went through CRS and the rest. So that meant that I had to read my government textbook from SS3 SS1 down to SS3, so doing learning like three years of work. And I and actually really did well. I by the time mock results came out, I was the highest on the block in literature, of course. I've been doing that since highest, I think, on the block in government. I just picked up that that term or the term before. So it was really just an interesting um um situation for me. I know that at first when I said I wanted to do mass communication, which is what I eventually did. That I wanted to be a journalist. I remember being in the vehicle with my mom, and she didn't really buy the idea. She was like, Ah, how will you tell your dad you wants to be a journalist? But by the time I spoke to my dad, my dad was like, Whatever you want to do, do it. And I'm grateful because my mom would support like every single thing I do. She might be a bit cautious at the beginning, like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> like when I wanted to also keep my job years later to go into writing full time, she was like, mm, mm. but she's going to move heaven and earth to support you. And I think I'm grateful for parents like that who, who even though my mom was a bit cautious at the beginning, eventually said, oh, you know what, go for it. And I think it, it turned out well because I studied mass communication and that from that moment, from the moment I began to really focus on my core, which was writing, I began to do exceptionally well academically. Like I never... I was always top third from then on to masters from the moment I said, okay, I'm going to really focus on this and do this. So it's been very, very interesting. I didn't think, I thought that even if I became a journalist, I was going to become maybe a TV journalist, but NYSE moved me to the newspaper. (laughs) But that helped my writing skills and now brought me to what I do today. So I think that sometimes the career 
learning for yourself and the career that you eventually end up with. Sometimes it takes um, a lot of seasons of self-discovery, of learning, and then of just getting to the point where you say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to focus on. This is what I'm going to focus on. But sometimes it requires a lot of trial and error. Because after grad, there's a time I thought I was going to make my living consistently as a caterer. Because I learned small chops. In fact, I made my first 50k in life. Making small chops, taking shawarma to the other. <laughs> I guess sometimes you just really have to show up in like different aspects of your life. And then you figure out what works and what doesn't. I think I think that's... <laughs> exactly i love it i really really do love it and, and you're right about that which which is why i'm disgusted when people are telling you know graduating students to follow their passion because you literally do not know <laughs> you literally do not even know all the things you're good at until you try you don't even know what yes yeah, so you don't even know what you will love sometimes you could have sworn that oh i'm going to mm. love you know taking care of kids forever and ever until <laughs> Okay, actually starts yeah. and then you say you know what maybe i meant my own kids <laughs> yeah i think, I, think I, I meant my own kids like i love kids hi hi you're so <laughs> cute but not like them. <laughs> okay so back to you know there was something you said about your dad giving you all the support and then you just realizing that when you now decided to focus on writing you actually did better academically would you say that that has affected your career in any way because you're one person who you write about different things so it, it, it looks like you know yeah your books might follow a particular uh you know topic but i would not be surprised to see you write about something different because knowing you even as a you know writing coach and publishing coach i also know that there are other things you do just looking through your instagram captions it's almost like you can write about anything in life did you always know this about yourself or did you just discover that because your dad allowed I think you to that i think that so this this was the deal right i used to write um poetry when i was eight my dad writes too. He doesn't really write as much, but he's like a book person. I think because of his job, he doesn't really write as much. So I started poetry from the time I was eight. And I think I used to write about just my life as a child. And I think I became a Christian. I became a Christian very early in life. So it was always things that revolved around that. Me trying to find myself. Secondary school, I was already a fellowship girl. So it was mostly really church stuff or things about... I remember writing a piece on low self-esteem when I was 12. And I said, this is what I want to do when I grow up. And even then, I was still in science class, and I would show it to my friends. And if a friend had a birthday, I would write her a poem. So things like that. Um, but it was when, um, I, I mean, in the university too, you learn to write different kinds of things. Because as a journalist, you have to know something about everything and be able to simplify complex ideas. Mm -hmm. So when when I studied math communication first degree, you would learn how to um, you learn how to you learn um, economic reporting, you learn health reporting, you learn science and tech reporting, things like that. So I think that kind of exposed me to just basically learning how to simplify even complex to um, subjects for a mass audience. So that really helped. But I think it was really practicing in journalism that opened my eyes to the different kinds of ways to write as a journalist. I covered, there was time I covered entertainment. Mm -hmm. And so there was time my job was, whose baby mama is who? And as a person, <laughs> I didn't like it because I'm like, this is different from what I stand for. But it helped me 
it helped my work. Although I wouldn't write things like that by choice. Now I write what I really want to write. Do you get? But it really helped me grow mm. in all those areas. The time I covered um, technology, the time I covered education. So you can give me a technological report. I can look at it and I can make sense of it in simple language that would still be interesting, that would still simplify the concepts mm. to make it come alive. And I think that those years as a journalist really helped me really mm. shaping my skills as a writer even more and made me more versatile. So the reason why I write Christian stories now is because those are the kind of stories that I want to write. I've spent a major part of my life mm. writing different kinds of stories. I think I finally got to the point where you, where you know what I said. This is this is what I want to do. This is this is where I feel my call is. And so regardless of what I have to write, I can write it. But I think the beauty of growing and process gets to the point where you choose the kind of work that you want to do. I choose the kind of films that I want to make. I choose the kind of books that I want to write. I choose to some extent the kind of clients that I even want to work with. Because if you're working on a book that is totally against what I believe in, maybe as a Christian or as as um as a decent person, I may not want to work with you. And I guess like you said, it's about really paying your dues and getting to the point where you say no. I'm not writing baby mama book again. I'm not writing who's wearing what. <laughs> oh my God. A whole lot of things. But telling Christian story is something that I'm extremely passionate about. Extremely passionate about. And I'm grateful for the chance to be able to do that professionally. It's And to teach other people to tell inspiring stories as well. Creatively too. I love it. I, I, I love it. And I, and I firmly believe that it's your background in these different aspects of journalism that make you a good writing coach because you're able to help people that are not even writing about what you write mm-hmm. about, which I think is just something that blows my mind. <laughs> like, like whether they want to write about what you like or not, mm-hmm. you can help them. Yeah. And I love that. I, agree. I, think, I think that you're right. My and experience really helped me have what we call in journalism knows for news. In other words, what are people going to be interested in? Do you understand? And I think that, that, that when I speak to a client, I immediately know what kind of this book this person should write, how to frame it in a way that people would be interested in. So I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for that opportunity and that time in my life to have that knows for news and to figure out what makes readers excited and what works for people as exactly writers. and as a writing coach how do you how do you work with people who are not sure what to write because they are multi-talented so they're like should i write about music because i love music or should i write about fashion because i'm a fashion designer and this is the same person so how you know how how would those people decide what to write about that's a beautiful question it's a very very beautiful question so i always tell people that first of all this will not be the only book you write in your life I think that is so, it's, it's a concept that frees you. It's a concept that absolutely frees you, knowing that this will not be the only book you write in your life. True. However, maybe this is your first book, or maybe this is a book that you really want to represent the stage that you are in in life or the lessons that you have learned. So usually I would do what I call a seven W's test. Well, I've just mentioned some of them. So I would ask, what are you good at? Because if you're not good at it, you can't teach people. You may not have received all the accreditations and the accolades when it comes to that particular regard, but you have to be good at it. Another thing would be, what are you known for? Because you can be absolutely good at something, but because you're not known for it, you can't sell it. You can possibly be the the best cook in the world, 
But every time we see your Instagram, every time you send us an email, every time we see you in person, mm. you talk about fashion. And so because you don't talk about the fact that you're a cook, we're never going to know we're never going to know you as a good cook, as a good cook. And so when you just immediately release a post telling us, oh, my book on, my cooking book, I'll get it. We're like, from where to where? You understand? So did you know, like me, I have like different gifts in different talents, different areas of my life. But I'm not just going to wake up mm. and tell people, oh, I made a movie. It's not going, I, I may not tell you, like if I, because I feel like, if I want to introduce an aspect mm-hmm. of me, I have to have a strategy. I have to have a plan. I have to show them. I may not like this year, enter this year thinking, I really want to focus on two things. I want to focus on becoming a filmmaker and I want to focus on really structuring mm. my coaching business because there's so many other things I do, including I wanted to really focus on those two things. So I entered this year, first of all, I think after I had a meeting with you towards the end of the year, helping me mm-hmm. um, with regards to the business angle. And then I started film school first three months of the year and I never talked about film school when I started but I made up my mind that I was going to talk about becoming a filmmaker and I was going to make a film before the fourth month and so towards the end of film school corona came in and so I began to make a movie and then I began to talk about me behind the scenes I made a short clip I showed them mm-hmm. I introduced them to large area and the director because I know that people will follow me because I'm a good writer and it's all in the storytelling ballpark, right? But I feel like you need to take out time to really introduce your work slowly, mm-hmm. um, little by little to people. I always tell my clients, don't surprise <laughs> people with your book. You can surprise them with news about your book. But don't just say, ah, you guys didn't mm-hmm. know. Shocker, my book is out. Go and buy it. Or go and prioritize. We're going to feel like you're not serious mm-hmm. because you need to take us through the process with you. So it would simply be me what are you good at? What are you known for? What burning questions do you have the answers to? What burning issues can you prefer solutions mm. to? What can you sell? What can you sell? Because I might be able to write a book. I was, I think I'll say, I'll say this somewhere else. I, I might be able to write a book maybe about <laughs> sex in marriage. Why well, can't sell it? Like sexual positions, things like that. I can't say. Like I'll be too embarrassed. And if I can't sell it, I'm not going to write it because. As a self-published author, you are not just the writer. You are the CEO of your book. Mm. You, from, the, from, from the first word down to every copy is sold, you are the CEO of that business called your book. So you have to be willing to oversee. You can delegate some aspects of it. But when it comes down to the success of your book, it lies largely with you. So you have to ask yourself, what can I sell? Sometimes mm. for, for someone like me, because I'm Christian and I write Christian books, it also depends on what um what i feel led to do at that point in time and because i feel led to do something doesn't mean that i just do it shabbily or i just do it without planning mm. and so i have somebody come up to me and say god wants me to write this book and god wants me to give it out for free and god wants me to get it out two weeks from now and i'm like i was not really there but i can't work with you on this because two weeks is short i always feel like even if it's is a spiritual conviction. I feel like you need to validate that with excellent execution. Mm. You need to validate even spiritual with excellent execution. So you ask yourself, what am I good at? What am I known for? What burning questions do I have the answers to? What quest, um, What um, issues can I prefer solutions to? What can I sell? And I feel like sometimes you also need to ask yourself, in what areas have I really grown in? 
So, for example, my book, Selfies Bible Girls, um, was published at a point where I was asking, what's the purpose of a woman? And so I studied all the women in the Bible. Just It wasn't even because I wanted to write a book. I studied because I wanted to teach about it and I wanted to learn about it personally. And so I would take a character, I'll tell the story about her for my blog. And I would share the lessons I learned from that character. And so eventually, I wanted to write the book. And I remember asking myself, imposter syndrome, I didn't know any Nigerian or African woman at that time who had written a book based on Bible characters. I thought it was for American women or women who, I don't know, it was just an imposter thing. And then I was like, let me just do it because I know that's going to be good. I've seen the responses from the blog post I did. So at that point, it was me really starting out to reach out to women intentionally. I just quit my job as a journalist and I really wanted to ministry to women dating intelligently was after counseling um young people who, who were in dating relationships for is a period of time and realizing these guys need help because there were a lot of books about marriage but not really many books about telling you what to do in a dating relationship mm-hmm. for my book loving amanda i wanted to try my hand on fiction i'd never really finished any full work of fiction and i was it was i, I first published as an ebook i was um about eight months pregnant when i finished the book I published it like I think I published it a week to my EDD. It was just an ebook, so I wanted to just do that because I wanted to talk about a simple story. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? For Finding mm-hmm. Miriam was about decision in the north. For Miriam Miroy was about some lessons I had learned in the past few years. So I feel like sometimes, um, if you want to know a book whose time has come, after asking yourself these questions, you also want to find out what am I most excited about and in what areas have I really grown recently i think that all those things kind of come together to help you know and then if you still don't know i'll be a coach and i'll help you figure it out <laughs> of course of course i love it in fact that is so helpful i'm so generous of you to say thank you you know i i, I was listening to you i was just saying to myself now i see why she can make the bold promise to say even as a first-time author, your book can be a bestseller because the things you have shared are things that people don't ask themselves. People just say, you know, you know. I mean, we all know that any guru will tell you, you, you have a book in you. If you think you should write a book, then you probably should. Everyone should write a book, etc. And I don't have a problem with, with that, um, but I've just always wondered, how can you make sure that the idea in your book spreads? I mean, you could do something just for the sake of doing mm-hmm. it. But I was so um, fascinated that mm-hmm. you help your clients go from first-time authors to bestsellers. And I was just like, how can you make that kind of bold claim? I'm, I'm glad you shared this because it gives some insights into your thought process. Yes, I, said I like working with people from the pre-idea stage of a book. Because sometimes um, a client comes to me and says, Somebody messaged me. It wasn't even a coaching call. It just sent me a text. I've published over 40 books on Okada books. How do I make them bestsellers? Of course, I don't know how to quote people via text, so I didn't reply. But sometimes I have people who walk up to me and say, I've already published this book. And there are times when if the book was in line with the things that I've taught, I can offer them a consulting session and we can see how to make the book a bestseller. I've done that for one or two clients. But I found that it's easier to figure out will this book sell from the pre-idea stage? It's easier to do that than to just have a client who says, I've written my book, come and teach me how to sell. It's easier to look at it and say, how do I put out a best-selling book, a book that I'm sure will do mm. very well even before so I have a So a best-selling book. book starts before you even start writing. Wow. I, I, love, I love that thought. You know, and, and the thing 
things you're saying, I'm seeing some connection with literally everything in life. You know how I often say, don't ask a stranger to mm. marry you. So when you say something like, don't surprise people with your book, oh my gosh, <laughs> it, it, is, it makes me excited because I literally, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those people who always say, oh, to everything on Instagram. Sometimes I see some things and I literally laugh. Like I laugh, I laugh at you if you're, if you're like, oh, I wrote a book. Okay, so what should we do? <laughs> Out of nowhere. <laughs> People need to feel like they're part of it. they're a part of your process. Every time, yeah, exactly. I've written, I've published. I think in the past years, I've published five books, um, all through my career six books. Mm. But like, I I don't just wake up and say it, even though I know I already have an audience. Mm. I don't just. I always give this example. This year, I knew when the newest season of Blacklist was coming out on Netflix, May fifteenth. I knew mm. because they started telling us from like March, May 15, May 15, May 15. So mm. when May 15 came, I was one of the first people to watch the entire series because I feel like it may have been radio long before that May 15, but there's a reason why they've kept it waiting until an appointed time so that they can build anticipation about it. And I think that's extremely important. Right. And, and building, building anticipation, that process of building anticipation, you know, what, what does it look like? Can you, can you just give some insights into, should I just be taking pictures of myself at my desk writing? Or how can I make sure, you know, people are like, yes, I want to talk about my book, but how, how am I sure people are interested? You know, will they respond? Is there some science to this thing? There's no reason why I should invest my heart and money, except maybe you've been published by a very, very big publishing house. And so I look, oh, Zondervan published this person, so it must really be a good book or a big publishing house <laughs> published this person. So there's a tendency to just say, oh, well, I'm going to accrue the respect I have for this publishing house on this author. But really, more often than not, many authors today, I'm a self-published author, I self-published authors. And so it's going to start with, your credibility as a storyteller, your credibility as somebody who offers value in terms of information. So I wouldn't just say, oh, write a book, definitely sell. It's might, nice. But I feel like the easiest thing to do, first of all, is to begin to build an audience with the stories you already have. Begin to build an audience with the information you already have. So like me now, I, I don't think I would write a book about parenting. I might sell the number of copies. But... I don't think it would be a wildly mm. successful book because I'm a young parent. And even though I have people who follow me who are parents, I wouldn't really say that constitutes a large portion of my audience. And then I don't really share as much free information when it comes to parents as I do maybe about dating or marriage or ministry. So I feel like you need to, first of all, I feel like when you share on some topics, you kind of gauge the response. And then you now know, okay, this would be to write a book about i'm not saying that you should depend only on feedback just to write a book but i'm saying that the feedback is important because if nobody's validating your free content at all it means that probably you need to give us a different kind of free content mm. or you put your free content in a different kind of way or you need to just basically do something else that's mm. content i feel like that's a good way to test your market i think that's something that's incredibly important to you want to give us and it doesn't you doesn't cost you anything it can cost you a couple of hundreds of thousands of naira to publish and print a book especially if it's a printed book but it doesn't cost you anything financially per se to share content mm. and say okay this works this doesn't work this works but the way i presented it doesn't work so i think that doing mm. that is going to really really help you build an audience mm. first of all i think if you look at any of my books 
and you compare them with my Instagram posts or my blog posts, you are going to see a lot of information overlapping. I don't think there's any book I have that was not first of all a series of blog posts or a series of social media posts because I'm testing to see this thing is important to me. Can I talk about this in a way that it's also important to others? And that's when you know whether or not you have an audience for something. I'm not saying that you can't build a new audience, but I'm saying that you can build a new audience with your free content first. And then it's safer to publish a book, invest in publishing a book when you at least have some sort of um, audience validation. Oh, wow. I love this. I, I love what you have shared about validating your book idea for free. <laughs> you know, and, and market research just seems like such a big term. People are just like, oh, how much should I put into market research? You can do market research for free. Mm-hmm. Just be patient. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's this thing about, oh, I want to be an author. But there is, a, there is a process in between now and becoming an author. There are so many milestones you can cross, including validating your book idea, you know, putting your concept together, hiring a writing coach like Coach Laju. You know, that's, so there's all of that in between that you could actually do. Like you said, it, it actually makes a lot of difference when you prepare and plan to get your book together before, instead of just saying, oh, I have a book idea and I need to launch the book in two weeks. I mean, people are able to do that, but... I guess it should be an exception and, and not the norm. Um, but then the other thing that, that I think stops people from that phase of sharing free content about their book is they keep feeling like, oh, I'm not an authority on the subject. Should I be talking? And this is all mindset work. But I'd like to get your perspective on this. It is your book that's um, you know, establishing your authority, right? I've, I've heard someone say that before. So which one comes first? It's like a chicken or the egg problem. Which one comes first, authority first or the book? <laughs> I, think, I think that's a good question. Um, so I usually say that authorship establishes authority. Hmm. But like I said, I feel like you need to have some skin in the game before publishing a book about something. So if I'm not a millionaire... I wouldn't want to publish a book on how to become a millionaire. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. So I feel like so. However, I may be just be I may just be a millionaire with a millionaire, right? And then there are millionaires with over a hundred million. And so I can't write a book about how to become a millionaire because guess what? I'm a millionaire. I may not have a hundred million, but maybe it's my book about how to become a millionaire that will help me get to a hundred million. So I feel like that balance has to be there because you need to be able to tell stories about your story. That's so important. But I also don't want a situation where people now begin to deceive other people. So I feel like you should have some skin in the game, but don't feel like you have to have achieved everything in life before writing your book because that one million that you have people want to learn how to make that one million i remember being quiet about the number of books i had sold at a particular point in time and then i saw somebody do a sponsored post that they had sold um about a thousand books yes and i was like and paid for some books and people were liking it i remember i was like i think i've sold like 7k books in this my life for or more and see this guy, I was saw his mother but somebody said 450 copies sold. I was like, is it a day? <laughs> but that person has mastered the art of telling stories about their story. So I feel like you need to have a reasonable amount of skin in the game. 
I'll give you an example, although this isn't even directly related to writing, but I, I think I gave this example when I interviewed you as a guest lecturer for First Time Authors of Best about how mm-hmm. um, sometimes I would go, when I first became a full-time author, one of the ways I would sell books myself, and I still sell, I'm, selling is never beneath me, <laughs> was I would go to events, women events that um, covered the subject matter and had the same audience as my book did. And the time I would go to an event, and maybe because I didn't speak, I wouldn't sell any books. And some other times I would go to an event with 40 books. It was Selfish Survival Girls I sold majorly at that time, sold for 5,000. And I would go with 40 books. I had thousands more at home or hundreds more at home, but I only went with 40. And I would sell all the books in that event. And I would post on Instagram, oh my God, I sold out today. <laughs> and when I say I sold out, I actually, so I'm not lying saying I sold out. But I don't have to tell you I sold 40 books today. Like, I really saw that. And so people like, what is even like this book that everybody's buying? So I feel like that mindset is very, very important. The, the mindset between knowing that you may not have come all the way, but acknowledging how far you've come and owning it. Because where you are, there's a large audience that needs to get to where you are, that needs to know what you know. So I may not write a book about marriage yet, but I will write a book about dating. Because I have, I've counted hundreds of people in that area. It may not be hundreds for some of us. It may be tens of people in that area. I've pastored people in that area for a long time. I've spoken on the matter over and over again. I have some experience. It may not be as much as somebody who's been married 50 years or been counseling 30 years. But guess what? It's important because there's a way only you can tell that story. There's a perspective only you can bring to that story. So I wouldn't just say be a green thumb and then write about something you know absolutely nothing about. But you don't have to know everything to write a book. I think that's important. Mm. You don't have to know everything to write a book for sure. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. I'm so curious. Why does it take some people five years to write a book and then your clients are writing it in five weeks or three weeks? <laughs> so can you explain? It's my signature coaching style. <laughs> no, seriously. It's my signature, it's my signature coaching style. So um, funny enough, I have clients who maybe took a simple mini course from me, a course I call the 61 Publishing Bundle. That teaches them how to put their book together in two weeks. So I've had clients who wrote their book, and that that one doesn't even come with specialized coaching. It doesn't come with a personal one-on-one or private mm. coaching. So I've had clients who take that course and finish their book in two weeks because it's already laid out, spelled out for them. Mm. I have some people who say, "Look, I need special attention. I need you to be calling me so and so maybe every week or every couple of weeks to say how far." So this is your assignment. For the next, and I do that with my, <laughs> with first of all, the bestseller, we have about five coaching sessions. For my VIP clients, I have like weekly sessions. So it's 12 weeks for VIP clients. Mm-hmm. First of all, the bestseller, five sessions. But there's also group coaching that's every week. And so I think it's just basically getting somebody to follow up on them and to really be on their neck. Mm-hmm. Because every time, every time a, a client, usually a private client of someone who takes five seven months as a bestseller, finishes their book, they say, oh, I can now sleep. Oh, I'm not seeing you in my dream because every time you want to sleep, it's my voice. It's CL. Somebody messaged, I think it was my friend and one of my clients, Rico. Rico's one of my younger clients. Young, not youngest, my youngest clients, I think just turned 20. One of my younger clients. And her first book took her about four years to write. And so I remember her sending me a message that she wanted to take first time also bestseller. And you have to understand, she's a core member. And first time also bestseller is a premium course. 
And she said, I'm going to pay you my entire NYC allowance plus this, this, this every month. And I'm like, no. <laughs> you gotta this one, you know what? I'm like, no. <laughs> Why don't you take this cheap account? And then she explains to me that her first book took her four years to write. And she didn't want that for this. And so in less than four months, Oiko finished her second book while working with me. It's the coaching. It's the professionalism. I've had 14 of my clients complete their books this year. Many of them gone on to be on best list and mm-hmm. other books. So it's the, it's the coaching, it's the attention. I'm just really good at what I do. And I'm grateful to also have clients who are committed to, <laughs> to putting in their finances, their sweat equity, to seeing their <laughs> dreams come, come true, to seeing their books come to life. So I'm really, really grateful for that. It's like, usually I have people months some people the ones who really need to be stretched maybe three months a little above three months but i feel like once you make a commitment to say i'm going to get someone to coach me you simply take that person's experience and own it the things you for example have taught me about personal branding as an expert are things that it would have taken me years to figure out but what getting a coach does it just makes you like go ahead of the pack it kind of elevates you and really accelerates your process so i think Really, it's the coaching. And I can't tell you what the coaching, I can't tell you the coaching here. The coaching is in the coaching. <laughs> but it's, mm. it's, been a, it's been an amazing experience. I'm, and then there's a lot of things for me. I think that what I do kind of combines a unique um, skill set. How many writing coaches have worked in journalism for five years or started writing when they were eight or have training in mass communication both for their first and second degrees. So it, it's, a, it's a combination of a whole lot of things. Mm. I think that especially working in journalism, that helped me become a finisher. If I start something and it has a deadline and it's, it doesn't matter how long mm. it is, I'm going to finish it. So I wrote, for example, Service Bible Girls, one of my biggest books, 50K words in three and a half weeks. And like they say, a lion cannot give birth to a goat. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love it so, so much. A lion cannot give birth to a goat. I cannot even get over that. <laughs> but definitely, if your coach is someone who wrote 50K words in three and a half weeks, your book cannot take you five years. And here's the thing, right? One of my, mentor actually, one of my mentors actually says that coaching is the great accelerator. Many people, mm-hmm. you know, they, they think that there's an award for struggling. They feel so happy when they say, oh, I did it all by myself. It took me 10 years. It's eight years of sweating, climbing seven mountains and crossing seven seas. It does not have to be that horrible. Seven mountains and seven seas. It doesn't have to be that way. So if you can get help, get help. And and I, I like I like where you said that some people just look like your small your smaller course don't do and, and some people you know take personalized coaching with you. So it's not all about how much you spend. In fact, if you spend a lot of money on coaching and you don't show up, it's still like flushing your money down the drain. So there's you know there's that part of accountability, having someone to follow up with you, setting deadlines, and then putting you know your money, your energy, your time where your mouth is. I, I really, really, really love that you said that. Hmm. I was excited to have you today, Coach Laju, and I thank you for sharing so generously. And at least now I feel like we now understand why you effortlessly bring books to life, not just for yourself and also helping your clients do the same. I'm curious, though, before we, before we sign out, there's this one thing I don't understand. 
I understand your background as a journalist. You, you did mass communication for your first and second degree. I understand all of that. I see why you're a good writer. You're naturally good at it. But how come you're able to sell? Is it that everybody that can write can sell? I don't think so. So what is it about this? I'm happy you're asking like some of the most amazing questions that I love to answer. The thing is, I did always know how to sell. In fact, I published my first book in 2014. And then I still worked as a journalist. I hadn't even gotten married. So I was earning about 52k a month. And it was a month if it was 52k of delayed pay. So they would pay us like four months after we're supposed to get paid. So like in September, you could be getting maybe like June salary. And it didn't really matter because for somebody who had been giving pocket money in the university and then moved on to LYSE and stayed on in the job, it just seemed like I wasn't paying rent. I was maybe buying a few things around the house, but I wasn't really broke because, I mean, I had not seen life, in quotes. But, so when I published that first book, I wasn't really like, oh my God, I have to sell this book. I have to, no, I just wrote the book. I told people to come around. I... And it was on the day of the launch that I saw the book for the first time because I worked with the printer at the time who was very, very interested. I no longer worked with him, thankfully. And it was in the morning of the launch that they also asked me, so how much do you want to sell the book? I was like, hmm, good question. So I calculated this such that if I sold a thousand copies of my book, I would at least make some money back. And I didn't even really want to sell a thousand copies. I told them, okay, sell it for 300. Where should we keep the money? Don't worry, just, just, you think that when you've not really seen life, you'll be, you would be having fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't think it's a dollar. No, no, it's not even up to. I don't think it's up to a dollar. Because I felt it didn't really cost me so much to print. And then that day, one of my uncles sent me, so maybe I think the book cost me like 80K to print. One of my uncles sent me 100K. That was the first time in my life, 100K in Naira. How much is that? Maybe like, I don't even have a private school that is 100K. But share somebody else. <laughs> so i was really feeling myself oh my god oh my god and so once i had that money that day i started giving the books out for free i went to an event where i spoke at where i spoke to over over three thousand ladies that could have i'm sure the price of that book at least a thousand of them could have bought that 300 but guess what i didn't even go with books to sell i just gave out a few copies i would speak to people whether or not they like the book i would just give them the book Give it out, give it out, give it out. <laughs> I published the book on a site. <laughs> Wait, I'm not, I'm not even landed. I published the book on a site where it's like that at the time did not even allow people to purchase from Nigeria. So I just put the book there that oh, people use the site, somebody was going to. But I wasn't seeing sales. It was years later when I wanted to publish another book on that same site. I realized, oh, they don't even accept Nigerian cards. And I live in Nigeria. Most of my audience is in Nigeria. <laughs> so it was just really... And then I got married. got married to a young pastor. So it wasn't as if the money was flowing in. We're all still trying to manage ourselves. And I didn't really sell the book anyway. So copies of the book actually finished or just got... And then people started asking for the book. But guess what? I couldn't afford to reprint. I couldn't afford 80K to reprint a book. And so I began writing because I wanted to make impact. But because mm. I couldn't handle the business part of it, I was paralyzed from making impact. And that's the reason why 
I treat my business hmm. as a business. If people tell me coaching, I say, oh, I do coaching as a business. I don't do coaching as a business. I do coaching. There's many other things. For example, I'm starting the Christian Storyteller Prize, giving um, one writer of a Christian short story the opportunity to win 100,000 naira in cash and 250,000 naira in training. If I didn't show up for my business as a business, I won't be able to do charity. Monthly, we have like charity where we wear um charity what do they call it csr projects that we handle as a business if i did handle my business as a business i won't be able to do that because now i've given out all these books for free some people don't even really value the book as much as they would have if they bought it because i gave it to them for free and here i am i can't reprint this book here i am i'm not even thinking of printing another book because i'm thinking of the financial burden because i didn't understand the economics of it and so in 2017 two years later mm. When I wanted to publish Selfies Bible Girl, which was going to cost me in the millions to print, because I have to explain that book. Oh, it's, we're not on video. But it was going to cost me millions to print that book. Millions that I didn't have, but I really, because I wanted that book to announce me as an author, as somebody who was a serious author. So because of the way the book was going to look, how big it was, wanted to do hardcover, mm-hmm. wanted to do colored um, pages on every chapter, all those things, it was going to cost me a lot. And so I'm talking to a friend who is an author, and she says, just you know, make up your mind that you will not make your money back. And I say, eh? Not make my money back. <laughs> because I've been down that road before with a few hundreds of, th- with less than a hundred thousand. And now I'm making a million Naira investments. And you're telling me that I won't make my money back. I said, no. So I really began to be intentional about selling. And I've learned a lot of, I've learned a lot of lessons when it comes to selling mm. that I teach my students as I can't handle it. But being intentional. Look, if you don't see your book as a business, what's a business? A, a, a business is when you exchange goods or services for money. And that's what you do with a book. So if you just carry your book like it's, I don't know, like you're going to pay your printer, you're going to pay your editor, you're going to pay your coach. So you can't afford to just, and that's the reason why I like First Time mm-hmm. to Better because I just teach you how to write a book, even though I do that pretty well. I teach you how to be a book CEO. I teach you how to really understand the business side side of things. How do I deal with a bookstore? How do I increase sales on my end? How do I keep my records? Um, things like, because I've been in a situation where I had a book retailer who owed me money before I got pregnant with my my second daughter and eventually paid around the time my second daughter was turning one year old. So, I've I've seen all kinds of things, all kinds. I've seen situations where somebody puts their book at a pre-order price, but they pre-ordered their book to early. They didn't know how much it was going to cost. And so they eventually end up losing money. And I'm, I'm grateful that every book that I've published has been profitable, some more profitable than some. But I don't think I've ever really, every book I've been published has been covered by the people who bought the book. Because I've learned so many things. I've made so many mistakes. Now I know how to price the book. I know how to sell. So I feel like you might say selling is not my thing, blah, blah, blah. But guess what? Selling has to be your thing. If they're going to be, a, it's a, you might be one of those people who don't really care that their book is not bringing money. They just want to have a book and have it on record that they are authors. Cool. But for those of us who know that we want, we need impact. We need money to make kind of impact we want to make. And it's interesting that my books that I've done well have not been my cheapest book. In fact, more people knew me with a book that cost 5,000 naira 
now with a book that costs 300 now i remember speaking to somebody in a session like this and i was saying on my facebook was she said i don't know that one i said i know why you don't know it because you don't say something <laughs> so you can't really invest in branding it you can't invest in branding yourself you can't invest in advertising you can't invest in anything because you've not seen it as a business and a business has all those things has market research a business knows when it's time for you to do it full-time a business has records a business can apply for a grant jonathan but when it's just i'm sure an author you wouldn't really so you have, you have to really mean business you have to and, and people will take money when you mean business because being an author has exposed me to a lot of other opportunities you were asking me about what careers were like when i was growing up it never occurred to me I was going to be a book writing coach. I know I like to teach, but I wasn't planning on teaching full-time. However, by writing my book, people began to ask me, so how did you do it? What did you do about publishing, about writing? How did you do this one? How do you do writer's block? And so that began to expose me to a lot of other opportunities. I became a book writing coach because I became an author first. And that's what becoming an author does for you. I think you were the one who told me that somebody who needs an author, the, uh, somebody who has a book doesn't necessarily need a, what's it called? Doesn't necessarily need a complimentary card because your book speaks for you. This year, I go through a book for um, a former minister of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. I didn't know her, but her daughter had read my book. And when she heard, oh, I've not taken ghostwriting card, she was like, oh, you have my mom's book. Mm -hmm. So, like, you don't really know the doors that your book will open for you. And that's the reason why I feel like you have to be intentional about being excellent in your execution as much as possible. Nobody is perfect, but I feel like you should show up and be the best you can be every single time. And you have to keep showing up. For mm -hmm. sales, you have to keep showing up. Because yeah. there's some, like I told you, there's some weeks I will go somewhere to speak or go somewhere for an event and have a stand. And I won't sell one book. And then the next week I'll show up and I'll, and I'll sell out. So you don't always really know what's going to pan out to be like some of the greatest opportunities of your life. But if I did write my book, I wouldn't know. If I didn't publish, I wouldn't know. And if I didn't keep showing up, I also wouldn't know. Oh my gosh, thank you. I, I, love, I love where you ended that, you know, about keep showing up. Because the truth is, you're never going to pierce through a wall by just knocking it one time. You know, and I'm so excited that this also applies in book writing. <laughs> I'm so excited that you can't just publish your books and just say, okay, my books are out. So let's leave it. Let's move on to something else. You're, you're going to have to keep showing up and showing up as the best that you can at the time. Yes, you might not have everything you need. You might not be where you want to be, but at least for today, do the best that you can do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure to speak with you. Okay, so thank you, everyone. We're going to put all the links in the show notes and you'll see where you can be a part of Coach Laju's coaching and where you can find out more about her and about her books. Thank you for joining this conversation and keep showing up. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of She Shows Up Podcast. We have more inspiring episodes for you and to access all the tools and strategies and links that we referred to in today's episode, head over to sheshowsuppodcast.com. Go there now and I'll see you online.